Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 68 of the F1 show for coverage of the 2010 Malaysian Grand Prix. I'm Robin Warner, and I'm not the only one here. Hello, because I am Jim Lau. I am back from uh, from being elsewhere, and uh, <laughs> I'm here. I mean, hey, we're doing the show. We're, we're, we're back at full strength, and I do want to say thank you for uh, doing a great job of the show uh, in my absence and uh, really holding it down. I think it still came out as a very good show. Sometimes I wonder why I'm even a part of it because, you know, obviously you can uh, you can do it on your own. Now, Jim, don't say that. Alrighty, But anyway, we've got uh, plenty to talk about about the Malaysian Grand Prix this weekend. Um, we've got our, our flavor of the race and all that cool stuff. But, uh, you know, discussion on uh, Vettel and Red Bull and how they how they did. Uh, Lewis Hamilton and McLaren, how Ferrari gets on and the whole thing. And uh, as, as always, the, uh, the other exciting features of our show with uh, t- feedback and trivia and all that stuff. So let's get going. The biggest thing on my mind is Lewis Hamilton's behavior and what's gone on since then. I've read a couple of articles about it. He's saying he's cool with the team now and stuff like that, but no apologies. Yeah, although I think some of these with these you know media apologies and different things, I guess as long as he's cool with the team. I mean, he didn't offend me. He didn't offend. He didn't come out and say, hey, you know what, Robin Warner's a big jerk. I hate him. Um, I, I don't feel like Did he, he called me a jerk. I, no, he didn't. That's the thing. Oh, I don't feel like he needs to go out. I was he, about to say he's the jerk. Jerk. <laughs> yeah doesn't need to come out and apologize to, to you and me. I mean, and I feel like every once in a while we get these press conferences, especially, you know, Tiger Woods here in the U.S. is like, you know, a very recent big example of this. Let's not bring that. Yeah, I mean, I don't need Lewis to come to the TV and apologize to me about his behavior. I mean, if he's made good with the team, then I don't, you know, I don't feel a need to see some like, oh, Lewis Hamilton apologizes to whatever in a press conference or whatever. Oh, sure. I, um, I agree with that. I, I think I think. I would like to see, yeah, I apologize to the guys. I realize it was inappropriate. You know, a public knowledge, since it was such a public lambasting of the team who made this decision, it was a terrible decision. I would have been happy to see a public uh, acknowledgement that that was a bad idea. But I, I, I take your point that it really isn't our business. Yeah. And there's some people who are talking about, oh, well, this is only because his dad's not around as his manager anymore and he needs the guiding hand of his father to sort of tell him what to do or whatever. And I, I don't know. I mean, maybe. But um, some of the other drivers, I think David Coulthard is trying to make the point that it's like, yeah, it is worth having a manager, not only for this, but also, I mean, maybe he did a uh, burnout leaving the track and his car right, was that impounded whole incident, and yeah. that whole thing. It's like, you know, dealing with that kind of stuff, um, I guess that's probably where a manager is, is helpful to uh, – you know, manage the media and make statements and do these different things rather sure. than having Lewis worry about that. But having a manager and having a dad, they're two pretty different things, if you ask me. Yeah, it certainly doesn't have to be your dad. I mean, that may uh, that causes its own problems, I think, in itself. But, <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, yeah, Sebastian Vettel, right? He doesn't have a manager, and he seems to be getting along all right. He does just fine. Haven't so heard maybe, any... maybe Lewis is just immature. <laughs> Could be. But uh, <laughs> anyway, hey, there was, it was a short week in between the two races, and there's plenty to talk about from, from Malaysia, so let's get into it. And get into it, we did, with a big bowl of Tom Ka soup. We had, um, I believe you had the Pad Malaysia, did you not? I did, I did. It was very good Pad Malaysia, some of the best I've had in a while. Yeah, I mean, you, normally you, you'd think of something like Pad Thai or whatever, but Pad Totally Mal- different. Pad, no, Pad that doesn't, is, even, doesn't even come close, doesn't even compare. Got the flavors of... Kuala Lumpur. Yes, <laughs> um, it sure does. So there's not really a Malaysian kind of place in this area, not in not southeast in Michigan, Detroit metro area, um, but no. we figured Thailand. I mean, it's there's, it's not Japanese, it's not Chinese, it's not you know those are different races entirely. Yes, and uh, this is you know as similar as we could get, um, and also uh, you know it's just we, we know this good place, and it was it was a very tasty even dinner. Happens to be nearby. Yeah, so, plus we had kangaroo steak. Yeah, so <laughs> um, Thai food is probably a lot like Malaysian food. 
I think it probably is. In fact, Malaysia, everyone in Malaysia was probably like, dang, we wish we had Thai food. Yeah. So there you have it. Um, yeah, we had a, I had a tasty, like a curry noodle thing. It was, it was quite good. And, um, and yeah, some Tom Kha soup and all that. It was uh, very Malaysian. Um, Extremely. And let's, let's move on. That was it. That, that's all we've got. So the story all weekend in Malaysia, starting on Friday, was weather with these wet-dry sessions and uh, just, you know, different teams trying to figure out which tires to use and everyone with all the rule changes and everything trying to just collect some data at the circuit. Sure. Um, and then, which is obviously really hard when there's, there's you know, wet sessions and then drying tracks and different situations. So uh, a couple of issues we saw on Friday. Um, actually, you know, Red Bull has come out and said, oh, no, we're, we're, we've got our reliability stuff sorted out. You know, yeah, we've had some issues, but no, that's all good. Um, but then... Um, you know, early in the second practice, um, you know, Mark Weber had a drivetrain problem. Yeah. Uh, Vettel had problems with his power steering. Um, and so, I mean, at the end of it, they, uh, you know, they meant, they meant, they meant fatal, fatal yeah. reliability. We meant that whole breakdown totally badly during a race. We didn't say anything yeah. about practice. Yeah. Or that's different. That's whatever. different. Uh, so, I mean, it was, yeah. It's like the, the power steering broke, but it was really aerodynamic. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, so, I mean, but eventually at the end of the day, I mean, Lewis Hamilton uh, was showed up to top the timesheets. And uh, and actually, Vettel went on to do really well. I mean, Weber did lose a lot of track time with that problem. But, uh, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the Red Bulls do look fast when they work. They're fast. Pitch. And Nico Rosberg, too, is two thousandths behind Vettel, basically on top of him. Yes. And uh, and and then, you know, there was just a, a couple of off and ons of people learning the track and, uh, and different things like that. But uh, yeah. Yeah. And then and then Lotus, again, being the uh, still the best of the new guys, um, you know, with uh, Yard truly just above Heike Kovalainen. And uh, and actually um, another big thing for Lotus, uh, them being, you know, the, the new Lotus, whatever team being based in Malaysia. This is like their home race. Absolutely. And uh, they let their Malaysian test driver, Firuz Fauzi. Um, actually, was in uh, very cool in name, Friday pr- in, in, in first Friday practice, and um, so it was a Malaysian driver at the Malaysian Grand Prix. Pretty darn big deal in, in a Malaysian car, pretty much in yeah. a Malaysian car. And uh, and then and then he's come out in the media since then and said, "Oh yeah, no, that, I might be in a car. This you know, I might be in a car in 2010. You know, yeah, I might have a drive there." And they're like. You know, I, I obviously he's their test driver, but it's like you kind of wonder, reading between the lines there, if uh, you know there's any issues with the other drivers. Yeah, maybe they'll ha- let their uh, their Malaysian star, you know, uh, get in the car and, and do some driving. So that could be interesting to see. But uh, it would be cool. I, I, you know, it seems like between Kovalainen and Truly, you've got pretty oops. solid car. Yeah, pretty solid drivers. There. They don't have like Nelson Piquet Jr. or anything. It's, it's exactly. Not, it's not like exactly. That. Exactly. But let's get into qualifying. Let's start with a little word of advice. If there's rain on the radar screen, go ahead and go out and get a lap in. Can we just start there? No, no, unless you're one of the really fast teams. They don't need oh, to no, do that. Oh, no, and then you don't because the rain will stop for you. Right. Right. Or maybe not. Or not, as was the case for McLaren and Ferrari. How do you who... spell strategic blunder? <laughs> F-E-R-R-A-R-I. Uh yeah, they screwed up. They thought it was going to get drier. It didn't. Yeah, so it was it was raining even before the session started. This yes. was not a freak out of nowhere rain shower, but it was raining and, and everyone says, oh, well, no. Well, it rains there every day. Yeah. <laughs> so let's start there. <laughs> this time of year, it rains every day. Yeah, and very consistently. And, you know, it's it's the rainy season in this part of the world and, you know, whatever. So it's raining at the beginning of the session and a lot of the teams say, oh, you know, you know why go out now? We might, I don't know, we might break the car or whatever. We might get wet. Um, 
and um, <laughs> we'll wait till it dries off and set a lap later. Um, and by major guys, we're talking McLaren and Ferrari, um, yes. among others, uh, but those being the majorist. And um, did you just say majorist? I did. Let me take it from there. If you're saying things like majorist, Jensen Button was able to go out there and get something on the board that was actually pretty reasonable. Lewis Hamilton was just a lap behind Jensen. And Jensen was like P13. I mean, reasonable yeah, is all P13. relative. P13. But then Jensen slid off the road. And they're like, oh, no, Jensen's hose. All these other people are going to shoot by him. That time was never touched. Hamilton tried two or three times. Couldn't do better than 20th. Uh, Massa, Alonso, they, they, they had nothing. Yes, it was very, very wet, too. I mean, there were people were on full wets by the end of it and, uh, you know, just two and three seconds off the, uh, off, the, off the pace. So it was, you know, very serious wet conditions. And uh, so it ended up with um, Q1 saw us lose. Uh, well, Jensen Button's car stuck out on, on track, but he did actually uh, progress to, to, to Q2. Um, but we saw Lewis Hamilton out. We saw Fernando Alonso. We saw Felipe Massa, uh, along with uh, who... Um, like Argo Sparri? No, that was the last of the big ones. It, oh. the, it was Yarno Truly, Alonso, Hamilton, Massa, Karen Chanduk, Bruno Senna, Lucas Degrassi. But, you know, those three guys, those were, you know, those were all three uh, championship contenders. Two or three of them are world champions. And the third one was world champion until two laps before the end of the Brazilian Grand Prix in 2008. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that was a bit of a shame. But... Like you said, strategic blunder. Yeah, and that's they all just kind of look. Uh, you know, there's there's sort of no good reason not to go out and get that lap uh, and and you know have one in the bank. And even if it might get drier later, then then you'll go get faster later. But it seems, uh, I guess maybe it's easy for us to say, but uh, you know, seems like all the other teams sort of figured out what to do. And even Jensen was close until he had that issue. But uh, so that could have been huge championship wise if Jensen had gone on to Q3 and and done really well and potentially been able to start uh, a lot higher. Um, you know, compared to all his championship rivals. But, uh, you know, hey, I guess it is what it is. Right. But the rest of the people did behave themselves. They went out when they should and everything else. And Q2 and Q3 went a little bit more in order. However, uh, Q3, the rain did get so bad that it was actually red flagged. Yeah, with seven minutes to go, just to kind of enough that, that enough time that everyone could get out and get more laps after once it was, you know, back green flagged again. But it was chaotic there for a little while. Yes. Fortunately, uh, it was only for a few minutes and we were able to get back underway. And it was Mark Weber who put in a just incredible lap. I mean, 1.3 plus seconds faster than second place Nico Rosberg. Incredible lap. Yeah, he already Mark Weber already had provisional pole, and even then it was like you know three four tenths you know faster than anyone else. And then he just found speed in that track that no one else could find, and he just everyone had else went slower that last lap, and he went a second faster. It was unbelievable. Yeah, it was just you know the the biggest qualifying gap we've seen for a, you know fifteen years or whatever. You know, I think just, they said five years on the show, but I don't uh, on know. TV, I, but I make what things do they up know? sometimes. Yes, but I mean, just very cool to see for for Mark Weber. You know, especially after everything that's gone on, um, to really just come out there and, and not you know he already had pole and to just you know really put a stamp on it. Um, but we even saw Adrian Sutil up at the top for a little while near the end. Uh, and Adrian you know, Sutil, Robert Kubica was putting in some really nice laps. Yeah, so I mean, well. it I mean, ended up uh, with with Mark Weber um, and you know, on top, and uh, it was great to see that. Yeah, and uh, Sebastian Vettel had to settle for third. Uh, like you said, uh, Adrian Sutil in fourth is where he ended up. Yeah, Nico Hulkenberg in fifth, Kubica sixth. And uh, on down it went.
With the red cars and the silver cars languishing in the back, Mark Webber took pride in having a clear view of a now dry track at the start of the Malaysian Grand Prix. Unfortunately for Mark, that view lasted about 15 seconds before his young German teammate went by on the inside of Turn 1 and never looked back. Behind the Red Bulls, both Ferrari and McLaren went to work to recover from their terrible qualifying performance. But no one could match Lewis Hamilton. The young Brit was full of piss and vinegar, not to mention an uncanny ability to overtake. By lap 5, McLaren's second driver moved forward 11 places to ninth. As the race went on, many cars would succumb to the heat and humidity of South Asia. Most notably, Mercedes driver Michael Schumacher, who is also old, came to a stop with a loose left rear wheel nut. Even worse, Sauber driver Pedro De La Rosa couldn't even survive the installation lap. Sauber got to pack up early when Kobayashi pulled his Ferrari-powered machine to off to the side of the road on lap 9. And now I'm sure you want to know when Vettel's car failed and how. Was it the engine? No, that was Alonso when his Ferrari engine came up on the penultimate lap. Loose wheel? No, that was Shumi, remember? Then he crashed out or something, right? No, that was Timo Glock in the Virgin. No, believe it or not, Sebastian Vettel won the Malaysian Grand Prix in his Red Bull. Mark Webber tagged along in second to make it a Red Bull 1-2. The team with wings was followed by Nico Rosberg in the sole surviving Mercedes. Behind him was Robert Kubica, who continues to make strides in the Renault. Fifth place went to Adrian Sutil in the Force India. That team has made huge progress since the beginning of 2009. Lewis Hamilton finished sixth. The freight train of passing stopped in his tracks by Sutil's Force India. Get it? Seventh place went to Massa in the Ferrari. Not a stellar finish for the Brazilian, but good enough to take the driver's championship lead. Jensen Button followed behind in eighth this time with only 46 laps on his Bridgestones. Ninth place went to Jaime Algeshwari. He was followed by the young German rookie, Nico Hulkenberg. Jim, looks like Red Bull bought some of that reliability. Indeed. We had uh, different people uh, placing bets on, you know, when, when's Vettel's car going to break and, you know, what lap is it going to be on? Or, or alternatively, um, you know, how long is it going to be until the Malaysian race is red flagged and they give everyone half points because of the weather and the late start and all that. So there were uh, a lot of sort of potentials for problems and, and, you know, major issues in the race. And, I mean, Vettel did what he's what he's done so far this season in driving flawlessly and it paid off i mean the car stayed with him and uh I, you know came on to collect maximum points and i mean it's a bit of a shame for weber because you know being on pole and um having a good chance for a second victory would be would be, you know was was big um but yeah even weber said in the post-race interviews and everything you know vettel really earned it he really deserved it after everything that's happened to him um to go on and you know take a proper win and, and just really have the whole race in hand uh you know he, he really earned it I, I, I completely agree, and I, that move that Vettel pulled at the beginning of the race in turn one was was pretty darn impressive. He got right around Rosberg and dove right in on the inside of Weber, and there's nothing Weber could do. And Vettel never put a wheel wrong. Yeah, and which is sort of what we've seen him do, uh, you know, recently, and you know, except until the wheels put him wrong, or uh, yeah, you know, obviously had the engine problems. So, um, you know, great job for Vettel, and it, he's really looking to be you know, the unstoppable force at the beginning of the season. I mean, it's like Jensen Button and the Veron last year, just kind of, um, except for this, with these reliability problems. Right. Um, it, it, except for the major, ex- except the major for the exceptions. two, you know, the two major exceptions. Yeah. Um, you know, he would be running away with uh, championship points right now. If with, you know, 75 points would be, uh, would be a, a heck of a way to start the season. And instead he's, uh, he's not, but, um, 
that whole team is obviously just super excited. They're having a one-two finish and, and maximum points for Red Bull and all that. Absolutely. Um, it's just a, it's a great way for them to go. But to talk some about what we've seen sort of in F1 in general lately, yeah, back in round one in Bahrain, people finished where they qualified except for just a couple of things. It was really, you know, pretty boring. Everyone's like, oh, no, F1's all broken. This is all crazy. Then we had Australia, which, you know, I actually just watched a couple of days ago um, on, on TiVo and all that, and which was so topsy-turvy crazy, you know, with, with just – with weather and everything going on it was lovely it was uh, just beautiful. and it was and it was a lot of fun but it wasn't i mean it, it's not like oh the rule changes actually did work it's no like, it's right like, of course no wow, it, when it, it rains yeah stuff it was crazy rain and, and it was you know weather and different strategies coming together yeah so yeah it was a very different thing and you know <laughs> emotions running wild on certain people yeah so and, yeah that was a whole different thing and then we have malaysia um where it's sort of a combination i mean having just weather during qualifying and such a gamble and some strategic blunders from the major teams and all that to uh to just come back and but then having a dry race after that um so it's sort of a combination where it's like here's the on-track action um is is there's a lot of passing and everything yeah when the fast guys are at the back and uh you know when they when the, the deck is all shuffled up as they say or whatever um so it's kind of interesting as a combination and uh, i you know it made for a good race in the end, um, but there's still some question as to you know how the rule changes and the, and the you know the no refueling and the tires and all that um, really played into it. Um, but hey, the way it came out today, um, I can't complain. I mean, it was yeah. a very exciting race to watch, and I think it was fitting that Vettel uh, kind of as the season has settled down a little bit. So did the Red Bull's car, and Vettel was actually uh, able to bring it home and get the win he absolutely deserved. I do feel bad for Mark Webber. Um, I feel like he might have been able to because Mark Webber had two things happen to him. One, he didn't have the best start, which you know really is his own fault. But you know that that's an easy thing to happen. He didn't have the best start, and then also in his pit stop, uh, the right front gunman uh, had issues pulling the gun off, and that cost him a couple of seconds. Yeah. So uh, in that first stint before Vettel and Red uh, Webber stopped, you know. Weber was right on top of him, a second, second and a half behind him, never farther than that. So Vettel wasn't pulling away by any means. And Vettel, uh, and Weber could have potentially challenged him and really had a good fight for the win of the, for the lead of the race, which would have been great to see. But he had a couple of small things happen to him that were a little bit unlucky. So a little bit of that uh, Weber luck that he's had in the past came back to haunt him. But, you know, if it haunts him enough for him to be second place instead of winning the race, then that's not really that big of a problem to have, I suppose. Certainly, you could do a lot worse with that. Yeah, and, and it, it, it also, I'd like to add that it was a much better performance from Weber uh, than Australia was, which was him just being way too, way too wound up tight to be able to uh, drive like an adult and just having just having a bad day in front of his whole crowd, which was a shame. Yeah, it's always too bad to see that, but. Like I say, sterling job from those guys, and uh, and and frankly, from a lot of the other uh, teams as well. I mean, uh, you know, with Nico Rosberg um, doing a just a sort of a quiet uh, drive in third place, you know, behind the Red Bulls, uh, they were pulling away from him. There was a pretty big gap, but um, compared to the rest of the field, you know, Nico was holding his own, and uh, you know, it was reliability problems or a, a wheel nut, I guess, issue for. Uh, for Schumacher that uh, put him out of the race. But, I mean, this continues. Nico Rosberg, I mean, he's out-qualified yeah. Schumacher every race. And now, you know, the results are really stacking up in Nico's favor. Absolutely. Um, and know, even, whether it's his fault or not, but he, you know, he is having that consistency, which obviously counts for a lot. Even last year in the Williams, you know, especially towards the second half of the season, Nico was doing this. Just one solid finish after another, just collecting points, collecting points, collecting points. And I feel like he's doing that right out of the bat, um, in the Mercedes as well, and 
I really hope for his sake it actually nets a win. Yeah. But uh, yeah, he's 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 become very consistent, pretty darn quick, and uh, uh, you know able able to get the job done for the team. It's going to be interesting to see. I'm not I'm not quite sure if the car is fast enough and he's fast fast enough to challenge for wins, but I, I'd like to see him win. But certainly, I mean, for great job to get on the podium, although uh, obviously that was helped by the fact that a lot of the top runners were, were farther down. But, uh, you know, top fives, top tens, whatever, good results. And uh, same thing with Renault, just to kind of mention them quickly. Oh, Kubica uh, was great. Uh, yeah, again, you know, he's one of these where, you know, we, don't, we didn't see a lot from him until he had this uh, this nice battle with, with Lewis, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But, uh, you know, just kind of solid, you know, the, the car's got some, some pretty good pace and uh, it seems to be real good in the straight lines and they're able to make it work around the corners well enough to, to keep up there. And uh, unfortunately, Petrov had a, had a mistake uh, midway through the race and, and, and had to retire. But uh, but yeah, Kubica just holding on to it and uh, collecting some good points. And, you know, it, they could be at least a spoiler, at least, you know, an, an effect on the uh, championship by the end of it. Um, I, I doubt you know, I wouldn't go so far as to say like really a contender for for winning, but uh, you know certainly having an effect and, and playing a role in that, which is uh, it's good to see. You know, another team up there because I I don't, I don't know what it is having you know partially um, Alonso leaving and all the drama in the off season and all the stuff with Renault and then being bought out and you know totally changing just sort of the look and feel and the whole character of the team. It, it just didn't seem like the you know multiple world championship winning Renault team. It seemed yeah, like a lot sure. more of a new team, and so to see. Um, and then there was even, you know, the question of whether or not they were even going to exist and be on the grid and all that. And, uh, and once again, Kubica, who who really does deserve a top seat, yeah, kind of getting hosed a little bit in the in the kind of the mess because yeah. when he was first signing, they were a little bit more of a they were legitimate a more, player yeah, than secure. so. Yeah, it's been a tough go for Kubica. I'd really like to see him in a in a in a genuinely top car in the near future because just like you said, he drove really well. Yeah, uh, but who I've been. Mean, I was most impressed with, and I think it's hard to argue with today, uh, was Lewis Hamilton in his McLaren. Unbelievable. Uh, I mean, Unbelievable. He, just, he just, like, stormed through the field, started 21st on the grid, like you mentioned in the... Uh, 20th. 20th, sorry. 20th, yes. Uh, on the grid, and uh, went, you know, got up to ninth spot in, like, five laps, and just found ways around cars. Like, like, that like no just... one, I mean, and, and he was back there with Massa and Alonso in the Ferraris and his teammate Jensen Button. They were all back in the same area. Yep. Jensen Button was 17th. I believe uh, Alonso was like 21st. Massa was 18th or yeah, 19th, yeah. somewhere in there. I mean, they were all way back there. And Jensen, Massa, and Alonso were hanging out in 15th, 16th. They got around a few people. And, and, Hamilton took off. I mean, it was he incredible. Got a, he got a great start. He would just and just watching the onboards. I mean, he was just making smart calls and he was you know pushing pushing guys, but not too far as to crash and just doing just a really really good job uh, moving you know moving up through the field and just you know he'd be behind someone uh, in some cases for maybe a couple of corners and just find a way around him and he's using a straight line speed to obviously a good advantage in Malaysia with two pretty long straights and uh, just. But just, you know, one of those impressive drives that kind of reminds you, you Extremely. know, why you like one of these guys. And just Extremely really, impressive. And, yeah. I mean, definitely needed it after the first two races where, frankly, he's been a little bit lackluster. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, Bahrain wasn't so bad. He was just... He was just a little bit cocky. I just remember that comment of, oh, I just have different driving styles from one quarter to the next and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah. dude, you don't have different driving styles. from one. That's stupid. That's just a and byproduct the, of, I think, the, the first race of the season. And there's nothing – there's no real information to go on. So everyone's just trying to speculate where they can right. and say, oh, his style is going to be this and his style is going to be that. Right, it was just right. kind of stupid. And then Australia where he just kind of collapsed and acted like a child. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so for him to pull that – I mean, that's where Hamilton just is incredible. And even the biggest naysayer – 
you can't you can't deny that was incredible. Yeah, and that and that even comes with the uh, long and gratuitous crotch shot that we had on American <laughs> television before the start of the race. Yeah, during the grid walk. There, yeah, <laughs> we'll just leave it the long and gratuitous crotch shot. I think we'll leave it at that. I mean, he had his race suit on, but he was definitely like arranging his junk or something. <laughs> I, I, the, the, I have, I do not blame. Trust me, I've, I've dealt with that situation. You don't want that to bind up during a race, <laughs> but to have. <laughs> to have to have a cinematographer. Can, do you call them cinematographers when they're covering Formula One? When they're going for crotch shots? No. Yeah, they're when, the, when they're at aiming at the crotch, like yes. I'm sorry, that was not. But, okay. Yeah. Anyway, okay, we can move on. But I mean, he, so he got up to second place before before I you know coming in doing his pit stop and yes. all that. So it was just a you know really cool drive. Ended up sixth spot, which you know to collect the points and everything after um, such a disaster for qualifying. Um, However, you know, we have to say. He wanted fifth, and he couldn't get it. Yes, and he was even willing to do some excessive weaving to get there. <laughs> well, that was that was a different time, but yeah, I forgot about that. That was with uh, Petrov or Kubica. That was with Kubica, yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, he got a warning for excessive weaving because uh, literally going down the back straight or the front straight of the race, he was darting to the left and to the right. Oh, and no, that, that was with Petrov. With sorry. Petrov, yeah. and... Uh, and Petrov just followed him. It was it was quite comical to me. And but uh, no, I'm talking about later in the race when when he was behind Adrian Sutil and could not get around him, even with the straight line speed, even with the snorkel, everything that McLaren could throw at him, everything Lewis Hamilton could throw at, all these people that Hamilton passed, he could not get around Sutil, and they could not get around the Force India. And he even radioed and said. I can't get around this guy. Yeah, he says too fast on the straights. I just can't do it. And, uh, well, to, to go back to the weaving thing for a second, it was, um, you know, I watching that, um, it was not a case where, like, Petrov had extra speed, was coming up behind him, and Hamilton swerved over to block him. I mean, it wasn't a, a straightaway blocking thing. Because I think if, if it were, he could have been really easily penalized by the stewards. Oh, God, yeah. Because if, it was if like, that it were was the like case, six it moves. Was it was like yeah. left, right, left, right. I mean, it was all over the place. But in a way, it's just kind of... You know, he's driving where he wants to drive just to kind of mess up the guy behind him. You know, not really blocking him, but just kind of weaving, I guess. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, and so what I think is interesting about this, though, um, is, you know, this is one of these decisions where there's actually, uh, you know, drivers – um, on you know on these FIA stewards panel, so Johnny Herbert uh, was actually uh, one of the one of the stewards, a driver advisor to the stewards panel, uh-huh. and I wonder if that had any input on this as far as um, you know. Was this is this a penalty? Is this you know because a steward you know hopefully the stewards really understand what's going on, but they don't always yeah. seem to. And and frankly, I think they nailed it exactly right. It's like okay, no, you're not really doing anything wrong, but knock it off. But yeah, let's <laughs> let's not do that because. You know, this you're entering a gray you're not area. Not helping exactly. Yeah. So, so you know, maybe that was a byproduct, and we don't know because we don't get to see you know, exactly what was discussed in the stewards' meetings or whatever. But um, I think it was good to see. I think it was a reasonable, fair call to say, yeah, warning for that. Don't don't keep doing that. But you know, no penalties because that would have been really a shame if Hamilton did all that work. It's oh no, you got to drive through penalty. Yeah, or, no, or especially after the race. You know, anything because any just like you stuff. said, he wasn't blocking Petrov per se, but he was proactively making it more difficult for Petrov to make a, a, a reasonable move, which he was trying to do, which I give him credit for. Yeah. And then the, the other actual thing about the, about the stewards and all that is actually um, Vettel did pass um, Yarno Trulli, who was lap traffic at that point, but under a yellow flag, which was actually 
um, when Alonzo's car blew up. <laughs> ah. And it was under yellow flag, and it's even though it's lap traffic, it is overtaking a car. And there was, you know, I don't think a, there was ever necessarily talk of penalty, but they had they had a meeting. Um, but they said, you know, they they spoke to Vettel after the race, had you know viewed to video and telemetry data, and uh, they decided. Um, he had made, you know, quote, a large reduction in speed through the yellow flag area and understood that car 18 was slowing with an obvious problem. So that was another one where I think, you know, having um, a reasonable driver input, not just yeah. not just some guys, you know, looking at looking at numbers, not saying $50,000 oh, fine, $10,000 fine, so, yeah, just, 25 second penalty, just looking at the you're rule out book. for a race. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, just all the nonsense we dealt with last year. It's it's definitely refreshing. I think that's that's definitely a good point so to bring like, up. Yeah, you went around him, but you know, still it was it was fair, and uh, so I think that system is working. It's kind of behind the scenes, so we kind of have to guess when it is and isn't in effect. But um, seems like it's going well, and uh, I kind of appreciate uh, that that's going on. Absolutely. Now, speaking of reliability, since we talked about Red Bull again just a moment there, and the lack of it, Ferrari. Now let's let's think about this a little bit. Ferrari powers the Sauber cars. Yeah. And Ferrari powers the Ferraris. And of those four, only one of them made it. Yeah. Um, and, and actually, just thinking about this, you know, so Fernando Alonso had a clutch problem from the very beginning, from, from the installation lap. Yes. And which I didn't really connect the dots until, you know, when you were talking about this before. I think pretty much exactly what happened to Pedro de la Rosa, right? Yes. Which is, and it's probably, you know, Ferrari engine and trans and all that. It's all yes. got to be the same stuff. So right. I wonder if, I mean, if, I can't imagine that's the coincidence that two of the same, you know, cars with the same powertrain happened to both have clutch problems. So Pedro de la Rosa was not able to continue um, the car. I don't know, you know, just couldn't, uh, you know, couldn't get gears. Yeah, you he know, just lost drive. Just, he was stuck at it, pit out. It was like crawling, like he could sort of slip it or something, right. but it was certainly not right. And, and that, you know, ended up having to, couldn't even make the installation lap and just did not race at all. Um, Alonzo's car, um, he said, you know, he lost the clutch before the start of the race. He was forced to step on the throttle and corners in order to engage gears. Um, so it made, like, every braking zone was, like, like a hairy, you yeah. know, situation yeah. because you have to, like, slow down a little bit too much and then get back on the power and then kind of muscle through the corner. Um, but, frankly, did an amazing job to keep pace with everyone else and Absolutely. fighting this car. I mean, it sounded terrible. Every onboard yes. when there was a corner, it's like, ring, 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 <laughs> it was just, it was all over the place, and that was a very good impression. Uh, thank you. And I mean, I, I could have described that, but I think uh, you know, vocalizing it just made it more made more sense. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'd like to ask you to do it again, but we won't. We won't. Um, and you know, and so looking at the times, and you know, after hearing that on board, you're like, oh man, that's going to be a couple laps, and they're going to have to bring him in for the pit, and they're going to try to mm-hmm. maybe you know, they're talking mm-hmm. about changing the steering wheel if it's an electronic issue or whatever, and. Uh, they didn't, and then you were sort of waiting for his times to fall off, and you figure, oh, the, the problem must have gone away because his times are right there. And no, no he was fighting it. So actually, um, in an article, Alonzo mentioned it was the hardest race ever um, as far as just dealing with the car and actually driving that way, having to do that yeah, for sure. the entirety of the race. And after Because that's all not that, the type of thing that becomes natural. You yeah, know what I mean? Not, yeah. And uh, it's not one of the, oh, yeah, you just kind of work around that. I mean, it was like every corner he said he had to kind of improvise and, and deal with it differently. Um and and then after all that, with you know a lap and a half to go, um, to, you know he's pushing it real hard. Actually, finally making a pass, um, and you know trying to get around uh, was Jensen Button. Jensen right? Button for and, seven. Uh, and then the engine or just for eight. and then the engine just lets go. Yeah. Oh <laughs> my God! And and I, I, <laughs> you felt so bad for the guy. Like man, I'm just gutted for him. You know. No, I. I this drive, as much as anything, just shows how impressive Alonso is because he was right. He was not 
letting Alonzo, uh, Massa get away from him at all, and he was dealing with this massive issue. Yeah. And, I mean, he was trying to pass Button with this massive issue. Now, Button didn't let him. Button was holding him off pretty pretty nicely. But well, I mean, his pass wasn't, I don't think, ever really going to stick anyway. No, I mean, he it, it, The engine was actually started failing, I think, as he was sort of doing that pass. So he almost didn't have much of a choice but to kind of straight line and whatever. It was, it was, it was bad. But, um, yeah, I mean, that's what a shame to work that hard. And just just sort of reminding yourself every time, like, hey, this is valuable for points. You know, we got to finish. This I will know. Be. And, uh, then, and then after had all to feel that, like for, forever. Yeah, by by no fault of your own, then the engine just freaking goes. Uh, that's man, that's a shame. But uh, as, as I said, though, you know, if, if the if the gearbox and then the engine are going to break, better that it happens when you're in ninth than when you're leading and lose twenty five points. No kidding. As a little, uh, you know, hey, Red Bull, <laughs> way to go. Um, <laughs> So this is how you fail. Yeah. So he said, like, "Hey, it's a tough weekend. Sometimes for Ferrari, sometimes for other guys. But uh, you know, that's that's how it goes." And uh, and then, but then Massa as well um, didn't have the, the reliability problems in the car. But I don't know if it's just because he wasn't pushing it hard enough. Well, I don't know if it was all that. I just think they started in a bad place. They tried hard to get around early on. Probably degraded tires. And uh, once they were kind of in a bad place, it probably settled into a bad place. So. That that's my guy. I don't think anything was specifically wrong with the car. I know, but I guess just with Massa, I just I feel like you know there were just these passes that Hamilton was just you know get it like the you know the STR cars and stuff. We would just kind of get around these guys, and and yeah, it's not easy, but um, he certainly made it look pretty easy. And then Massa would just be behind, uh, you know, for laps and laps. I mean, couldn't get around Button for the longest time. Right. And uh, it was you know we, I really sort of thought. Um, you know, these Ferrari cars did seem to be quite quick when they worked, and uh, it's obviously really hard to get a gauge for um, eb- each car's absolute pace at this track this year in the current setup. Obviously, with qualifying being what it was, but uh, you know, I, I really sort of expected more out of out of Massa. I mean, once we learned that Fernando was dealing with all the issues he was in the car, the fact that Massa was no faster, right? You're uh, like, was hey, like, come on now, <laughs> unless Massa was having issues as well, but it didn't seem to be that was the case. So. Um, you know, that just, that was a bit disappointing, I guess, for, uh, for Massa fans out there, but, um, Hey, you know, I mean, they, they ended up, uh, I mean, Massa ended up seventh, uh, and, you know, eventually getting around Jensen Button, but, uh, I guess that's, so that's points. And like I said, he's points. now winning the championship. So yeah. That's something, but Hey, you mentioned fans. So why don't we listen to ours? So as ever, uh, you guys are, are great, mostly on the uh, the uh, Facebook page and our Twitter feed and uh, leaving comments right on F1show.com. Um, Paul Peart actually posted an interesting article about uh, Michelin's uh, potential return to F1 in 2011. Yeah, I and, heard about that. And even the proposal about getting that to eight, up to 18-inch wheels from the 13-inch wheels they use right now. And Whoa! Yeah, uh, you know, just a lot a lot of things being uh, thrown around there. But the, Spinners? Yeah, there's uh, some interesting discussions going on, so, uh, so definitely check that out if... Uh, uh, if you haven't already, and then I want to thank uh, Martin Dillon and uh, Jacob Macri uh, for some uh, leaving some nice notes on there. And uh, as far as I know, some uh, some of the first times that they've uh, given us feedback, and uh, we appreciate all of it. Uh, and again, if uh, if you want to have your voice on the show or uh, just you know get your opinion out there, ask a question or anything, um, visit uh, f1show.com, and you can go to see our Facebook page and get our you know Twitter information and all that stuff right from there. Or you can go actually right to f1show.com and uh, right on the individual. Uh, episodes and leave some comments and i believe we had some comments on there as well yeah dude we are totally modular now we uh you can do everything from f1show.com f1show.com is an excellent place to be and visit and hang out and actually this time we did get four comments which was fantastic two were from the same guy uh badhi tuadar which i'm sure i hacked up horribly so i apologize uh, he wrote hey guys big fan of your show 
And Robin's one-man show of Australia was pretty good. You know, eh, enjoyed it a lot. And then he goes on to guess the trivia, which we'll get to soon enough. And then we also got another one from Chris Orford, who said, Gentlemen, congratulations. Yours is by far and away the best in all caps. Formula One podcast available and a must-listen for all serious F1 fans. So if you know any serious F1 fans that don't listen to us, let them know because, as uh, Chris has rightly said, they must listen and get in big trouble. Indeed. We always loved uh, getting feedback like that. He goes on to say, I'm a longtime listener but first-time contributor, and as I've had a bit of time to kill, I've done my maths and reckon that so-and-so-and-so. He goes on to answer the trivia question and make some predictions, but he ends by saying, keep up the fantastic work, guys. And then Ken... Uh, oh boy, Ken R uh, also go ahead goes ahead and guesses on um, the trivia. So, the point being that you can do it via comments, you can do it via Facebook, you can even do it via Twitter if you're a nine year old. There's many different ways to get a hold of us. Email is also a possibility. Carrier pigeon, I wouldn't rule it out. Yeah, no, we, I'm good with that. So, yeah, it's been fantastic. You guys are great as always. Trivia, 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 trivia. It's trivia time, folks. You know what that song means. (laughs) Isn't that a beautiful song? It is a great song. And it is trivia time. And I think, you know, we started with a softball. And then, Jim, you, I'm sad to say, missed what I thought was a humdinger of a question. (laughs) And the question was... How many races would Iart and Senna have won if his career lasted as long as Michael Schumacher's? And when I say as long as Michael Schumacher's, we meant through 2006, not these three races he's now done this year. And if he maintained the same win rate that Iart and Senna had when he did race. So this one was a little bit more math-oriented. And the answer is... He would have won 63 times, and that is based on a win rate of 0.254 and 249 race starts. Um, even more impressive, he would have captured 101 pole positions had he made the same pole rate of 0.403 and had 249 attempts. He won 40% of every attempt he got pole position, 40%. That's, That's wild. It's just incredible. So his actual win record uh, when he did race was 41 wins and 65 pole positions, and he did that in 161 starts. That is my information. Uh, we had a lot of good guesses. Um, a lot of people guessed 64, 65. I mean, you guys can pretty much give it to yourselves. There was a little bit of math here. There's a little bit of discrepancy in how many races he started and all that kind of Whether stuff. Whether you go so, by seasons or by races or and, whatever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So um, wouldn't worry about that too much. One guy guessed like 130 or something that that was a little off a little off we don't quite um, agree with that man yeah someone thought that i meant that he had raced all the way through 2006 which would have given him a 22 year um f1 career hey which, man you never know you never know but that's uh, that's not where we we're going for and it's possible i suppose he could have won 110 times or whatever it was anyway moving on jim yes how many races do you reckon were held in the united states in 1984, Formula One Grand Prix. How many F1 Grand, Grand Prix? Prix? Sorry. Yeah, because we definitely know French. Um, I'm going to say that there was one. No. Oh, zero. There were two. Oh. Two Grands Prix in 1984 held in the United States. That's crazy. Isn't that amazing? 
I did actually know that. But okay. <laughs> okay, so the question is... Yeah, I saw the notes. What? Where, where were these races? What were the two locations of the two different races in the United States? In the year 1984. In the year 1984. Already. Which is the year that Detroit Tigers won the uh, World Series, I think. I don't know anything about baseball, but that just popped into my head. Nice. I think that's true. I think I learned how to walk in that year, so that's that's great. <laughs> yeah, you were. Were you born? Yeah, I guess yeah, you were. I was. Wow. Yep. Anyway, so there it is. Uh, good luck. Guys. Is that a, that's a one parter then? Just what? No, two, locations? two part. Well, two locations. Oh. I guess it's one part, two locations. Okay. Anywhere in the United States, I'll give them a hint. I'm feeling generous. Continental U.S. Oh, okay. That was not the Alaskan Grand Prix. No. Okay. Or the Hawaiian. Alrighty. So there you have it. So do you ever wake up from a bad dream and feel like you just made some really, really awful <laughs> F1 show predictions? Because that happened to me. I, you know, I just, really? I just have this feeling that I didn't do very well predicting, but I cannot remember actually making predictions last week. Well, it was, it was a bizarre, bizarre thing, right? Because... My first thought was when you were channeling me, because mm. you weren't physically there, but I felt your presence, and this is what came out of my mouth when yeah. you were supposed to predict. So mm-hmm. thought that was what. So what did I pre- just let me remind me how what I did what I predicted and, and well I, check it out. Yarno truly on pole. Oh well, yeah, naturally. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it wasn't as bad as you thought. No, no. That, yeah, okay. it's one of those things where you have those bad dreams. And yeah. Like, yeah, he was 18. Oh, that's a lot of not that, close. Okay, actually not close. You know, he doesn't drive for Toyota anymore. Because Toyota doesn't exist, yeah. and they also weren't fast, mm. so mm. that was maybe not the best choice. Okay, but you never know; it could come for you for the race win. Well, at least I didn't think truly for the win. No, no, you didn't think that. Bruno Senna actually. Oh, he um, he he. You know, he drives for HRT, right? Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. the, one of the new ones. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Yeah, he was sixteen. All right, whatever, loser. <laughs> uh, so I enjoyed that. You yeah. know, it's tough putting the show together on your own, but there are some little slices of uh, joy there. So and that, that, that was one of like them. like 74 Cokes, then that, that's your slice of joy. Well, actually, uh, I'll, I'll go ahead and say that I predicted Vettel would be on pole and Vettel would win the race. That Aussie bastard screwed me along with that stupid German, but third place in qualifying. And then Vettel went on and win the race. I was right. He had, quali- he had it all set it up. So... I had a score of two mm-hmm. to our new model, and you had a score of 32. So you <laughs> <laughs> you owe me 30 Cokes. Oh, man. And but, what do we uh, owe to the statistics model? Uh, oh, well, we're not going to get there yet because we also had a fan predict for us. Oh, man. Sorry. And we went ahead and with uh, one of our guys who commented right on the Facebook uh, page, uh, Chris Orford, and he predicted that Vettel would be on pole and Alonso would win the race. Uh, not terrible predictions. Again, Vettel was third in qualifying, but Alonso ended up 13th in the race. Not so hot. So that was 14 points for the fans. The fans are actually falling behind a little bit, which is a bit of a shame. Hmm. Now, the statistical model, like we've said, just goes by who was on pole last time and who won the race last time. So it said Jensen Button would be on pole and I'm sorry, Sebastian Vettel would be on pole and Jensen Button would win the race. Uh, Vettel was third. Jensen was eighth. So the statistical model only did okay. It scored nine points as well. But that was the past, and now we are moving on to China. Yes. So 
none of this cockamamie channeling me from beyond Texas and all that. <laughs> I'm actually here to make reasonable predictions. You know, channeling channeling past Texas is hard. Once you once you go west of the Mississippi, it's, it gets harder to channel. I mean, real, let's be it's fair. real tricky. And uh, <laughs> hopefully, the, hopefully the qualifying numbers over, or the prediction numbers overall aren't uh, cumulative because uh, hopefully you know. Oh, this, but they are. Okay. <laughs> How do you get to make this system? I don't. This because is... I made the system. Oh, I get to make the system because I made the system. All right. Anyway, okay. So what I'm do you, what good do you at think, Excel. What do you think for China? What do I think for China? Well, frankly, despite his irrationality and lack of management, uh, there's no denying Hamilton's speed, and I think the McLaren car is catching up quite a bit. So, that being the case, I have put Lewis Hamilton on pole position and Lewis Hamilton to win the race. Oh man! So okay, it's a hammy hammy. All right, it's and like I, a ham sandwich <laughs> in China. Open-faced ham sandwich. <laughs> Everybody on ham because he's first. Well, I actually had predicted Hamilton on pole before you'd even said that, so way to copy me on that. Oh, sure. You can call it copying, whatever. whatever. Um, but uh, I, I, as much as I'd like to, I don't think he's going to end up uh, with the victory, and I actually think that's going to go to uh, Mr. Aussie Grit himself, uh, Mark Weber. Wow. Yeah, I think uh, in, a, in a big upset, Whatever, how, I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't, I don't predict that much into it. I'm just going to go ahead and say that <laughs> I think, uh, I think I, you know, it's, I want to do something a little interesting and uh, keep things going. So even if I end up... Well, Hamilton know, has had kind of mixed results in China. China is essentially where he threw away his chance of becoming the first rookie world champion. Yep. So... Remember that. Yep. 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 There's that. Uh, so, yeah, we'll see, man. Mark Weber for the win. Now, in China, the statistical model says Mark Weber will be on pole, and Sebastian Vettel will win the race. Yeah. Could be. Could and, be. Uh, and thankfully, this time, we all have different, uh, except you and I for pole, but uh, different predictions. So, you know, someone will someone will pull ahead here because only one guy can be pole and only one guy can win. But uh, it's getting late, and uh, time to call it for the Malaysian race. We've got two weeks until we'll uh, be giving you a podcast from the Chinese Grand Prix. Until then, I'm Jim Lau. And I'm Robin Warner. We'll see you then. The F1 Show is hosted by Jim Lau and Robin Warner. Many thanks to our editor, Jim Lau. We couldn't do trivia without our fact finder, Robin Warner. A tip of our hat to our producers, Robin Warner and Jim Lau, as well as our executive producers, Robin Warner and Jim Lau. Of course, a thousand thank yous to our excellent catering service, Restaurants. And finally, we'd like to offer a huge thank you to Bio Bonsai for use of their song Inspector B from the Big Band album for our intro and outro music. The F1 Show is brought to you by two Americans who love the sport of F1, Jim Lau and Rob Warner.